everybody. Or good evening, Tim. It's a late one today. What am I saying? Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on a nice Friday episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Tim, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. The Friday weekend's coming up. The Bruins won last night. How bad could I be? It's That's not saying anything. The Bruins win all the time. It's, I'm it's good like, all the time. I'm always they're good. They're very good. And then you sent me that that Trent Frederick fight. Let's just jump into that. We'll talk about the Bruins game. They played the Blue Jackets, the mighty Blue Jackets. The the one of the best teams to ever lace them up. The Bruins somehow some way beat them last night. But all everybody's talking about aside from the Bruins clinching the President's Trophy, which they've been not able to do it in the last few games. They've been putting a couple L's on the board, but they finally got it done. Good for them. They're the President's Trophy champions. Now everyone's talking about Trent Frederick and his one punch, his one punch KO of some Columbus Blue Jacket. What was it? Peterson? Some guy I've never heard of. Trent Frederick one punched him. What What do you make of this fight, Tim? Well, I think that guy had gone off to gone after Bergeron earlier. He did, yes. And so that's like one of the rules. You just can't touch Bergeron. So Trent Frederick got him, and he, I don't know if he got him with a surprise or what, but yeah, he got him good, and the guy went straight down. Why are you so excited about this? The guy's been in six career fights his whole life. His whole life. Going all the way back to 2015 in the WHL. So this guy is not you know, a a master pugilist by any means. So I just, I don't know what all the fuss is about. Trent Frederick, if you watched a fight, he barely grazes his chin, barely touches him, Tim. And the guy goes down like a sack of potatoes. Like he's been shot in one of your LARPing exhibitions. He just goes down. He's like, oh, you got me. I'm dead. And everybody's like, oh, Trent Frederick's the toughest guy alive. It's unbelievable. It makes me think that I could. Right now, step on the ice and be one of the top three toughest guys in the NHL without even tr- – I haven't done a thing since I retired five five years ago, six years ago. This, if, that's, if that's how you're getting knocked out these days, I would be knocking guys out just by my breath. It's, just, it's easy. in the league do you think right now could give you, could knock you out? And I may not knock you out, but beat you in a fight. How many is it even possible for? Reeves could five, be few, five, right? five or six. So who would who be in that list? Reeves, Luch, Delorier, yeah, Luch, Reeves, McDermott, um, Tom Wilson, Matt Martin. No, no. Maybe Ross Johnson. Yeah, I was thinking Ross DeBoss. Those five, maybe. But the, even then, like a. I, and this is where I'm not, I'm gonna, I don't want to sound cocky. I'm 40 years old now. I get it. I could step on the ice and be the toughest guy in the NHL. So, me wrong. so back to the, the, the Trent Frederick thing. So, okay. Back to that. Um, I think what, what people are getting so excited is you don't see that, that one punch knockout ever anymore. It doesn't, just doesn't happen. You actually don't see guys connect like that, that much anymore, where it's that no. clean. And I'm watching this. I've been watching it on loop this whole time. We've been talking. Oh my about gosh. It. Gross. Peterson. It's like, he doesn't even try to defend himself. All Trent does is just stand up and throw one punch and it goes straight down main street. And there's no, 
Uh, yeah, it's a strange thing. I don't know why you wouldn't think to like, usually guys that don't fight very often are more defensive than anything. And you don't get anything clean on them. I don't know either. It was a funny fight. Good for Trent Frederick. Didn't even have to break a sweat. Just went in there and threw like a haphazard cross. So good for him. Everything's going right for the Bruins this season. I think that's just, that just puts the cherry on top. It's like, we don't even have to punch anybody. They're getting knocked out. So good for Trent. Good for the Bruins. The interesting thing is Trent Frederick's probably going to be the odd man out when they have a healthy roster. When Felino and Hall come back, he's going to be the guy that's on the bench. Yeah. First game of the playoffs. Yeah. Have you, do you want to retract some of your statements about the salary circumventing or no, you, you sticking by your guns? I stand by everything I said. What do you want them to do differently? It doesn't matter. They had I a want legitimate, them to be, want a them to be injury <laughs> at the trade deadline. They I went out and got somebody. I know. I'm just upset that it's the Bruins, you know, and good for them. I think more teams should do it until they close that loophole. Go for it. Get everybody you can and then throw them on the LTIR, make the playoffs, and then everybody's allowed to play. And then you're a juggernaut wagon and nobody can touch you. It's a good strategy. And it would be enticing for the players too. imagine at the deadline, you acquire this guy like, listen, we'll give you the next month and a half off. And then you just got to, you know, be in somewhat good shape. We'll cruise into the playoffs and then we'll activate you come playoff time. Or getting a guy who's like 32, 33, who's a little bit older. Hey, just, you know what? Take a dive. Take a month off. We'll activate you in the playoffs. It would be it would be actually great. But it's just like, a, uh, that's a whole nother. I don't want to get into it. But it's, um, I was going to say, did you see the guy who entered the uh, women's weightlifting competition in Canada? No. He's like the women's, the Olympic women's coach. And he's a guy and he just entered a competition and he just went and signed up and said, I'm a girl. And he just crushed all the records by like hundreds of pounds, full beard, full guy just went in and was like, I'm a, I'm a girl. And he just dominated, crushed all the records, absolutely crushed them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What do you I do want, with that? You don't do anything. You can't because you have to, you have to take him for his word. Got to validate it. It's great. I think it's great. Moving on. Let's Bruins talk about the other changing. big, the, the other fighter. You mentioned Delorier. He oh. got in two fights on the same shift last night. One of them was better than the other. But the reaction, I had a couple of tweets about this. Is John even, was he even an enforcer if he never got in two fights on the same shift? Well, to answer your question, I got in three fights in one shift with the Houston Arrows. So checkmate. We were nice. playing the Peoria Rivermen in Houston. I beat up one guy on my way to the penalty box. Someone else was lipping off. I think it was the same situation where it was their tough guy. It's like, what are you doing fighting him? You should be fighting me. I fought that guy. And then the third fight was Matt Roy, who used to play for the Arrows. Partier wanted to get kicked out of the game because he wanted to go party in Houston. He came flying off the bench and grabbed me. And I just threw one haphazard punch. By that time, the refs were in there. And I, so I punched him. And then he just. We got broken up three fights in one shift, but it was the AHL. So maybe that. But how wild is it in the NHL that the refs can't control this? This, this has never happened before that I've seen a guy gets done with the fight on the way to the box. He gets accosted 
by somebody else. This is this shouldn't happen, don't you think? Who gets the biggest or does that guy get suspended from Ottawa? That Kosh, what's his name? Koskiemi? Kostelik. 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 Who, first of all, who is this guy? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Obviously trying to make his mark. He didn't like how the, by the way, I'm just going off on tangents. Can we be done with Austin Watson? What's your grudge against him? He sucks at fighting and he just does it all the time. The guy can't win a fight, but he keeps throwing good, good on him. He keeps throwing his hat into the ring. He loses to everybody. Everybody, everybody. The guy is not tough, but he keeps, he fights everybody. So I'll, I'll give him props for that. But he's just a bad fighter. And he's been in the NHL for how many years now? Six. All he does is just, is a speed bag. I'm, ugh, I don't know. I don't know whether to just tip my cap to him and say, you know what? Good for you, man. Or just say, go, go away. You add nothing to the team. Like, how does that benefit Ottawa but by watching you get ragdolled by Nick Delorier to the point where a guy on your team is like, you shouldn't have done that. I'm sticking up for my tough guy who he just beat up. That's got to be embarrassing for Austin Watson. You know what I mean? Going to the penalty box, knowing that you just got beat up and your big brother has to come in and like stick up for you, but you're supposed to be the tough guy. How embarrassing would it have been for you if you lost a fight? Like, the, like, like, uh, what's his name? Colton Orr. And then someone else on your team went in to fight Colton in order to defend you because you just lost. So embarrassing. And that's your job to fight. That's, that's what I just said. Do you not listen? Are you not listening again? I'm, I'm talking about you specifically though. It would have been awful. Oh, it would, I would have been mortified. I would have been so pissed at my teammate. I'm like, what are you doing here? But that wouldn't have happened to me. I didn't lose many. Go look at my record. I lost two. One of them, he punched me in the stomach. What a cheesy move that is. Have you ever punched someone in the stomach, Tim? No, no. No, because no one does it. Neither have I. Just like face or nothing, all out or neck. (laughs) 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 What did you see? The Debrinket fight also in that game about Joel Farabee. It was a feisty night. I love it. The end of the year, everybody's getting a little salty because it's not going their way. Ottawa. I can we say they're out of the playoff? They're not going to make it. They're getting a little feisty. They have all these high priced guys. Debrinket's pissed. He should have signed a contract extension last year. When Ottawa offered him, he's like, I'm going to bet on myself. Didn't work out. He's a little upset. Fights Joel Farabee. Pretty spirited scrap. He was throwing. Two guys you would not expect. Little Debrinket just firing away. Debrinket loses the fight. Agreed? Yeah, sure. I just like how hard he was throwing, though. Like He was not looking back. This is the Nathan Gerby effect. As long as you're throwing, you win the fight, right? Because you have no business winning this any otherwise. So as long as you show up and and put on a good show, you're going to win the fight. And this is what, remember Chris Nyland was on the show? He said the exact same thing. He's like, I wasn't the biggest, but I but I didn't go down and I always threw. And, it, and the fans loved it. That way he won every fight, even though he's got his face punched in. And Alex Debrinkit, not a fighter, all of five foot six, you know what I mean? Goes in there and just, you know, does what he can. Throws punches. So good for him. Good for Debrinket. Good for Joel Farabee. I don't know if Joel Farabee's ever been in a fight, but he went in there, looked pretty solid. Looking at his stats now, he's been in more fights than the guy. Uh, what's his face beat up? Trent Frederick. Yeah. Trent Frederick. Yeah. Joel Farabee. He's been in nine fights. It's Trent Frederick. Talk about picking your spots. But, anyways, all that aside, love the fighting, love the animosity, love the action. Nick Delorier. I've said it before, one of the most entertaining players in the NHL. 
just doesn't back down, throws with reckless abandonment, doesn't care about his self-preservation, just fights to try to knock guys out. I love that. Has him and Luch ever fought? They must have. I don't know. But th- so Delorier started uh, 2013, made his debut. So you overlapped with him a little bit. Like, who was he in the league when you were there? Was he a heavy? He was. Well, we got him from L.A. and he was a defenseman. They moved to forward and he was just this guy who had long ass arms. We're like, man, this guy, I, as soon as I saw him, like, you got long arms and he wasn't really tough. And then all of a sudden he started fighting. I was like, this guy's tough. I tried to fight him once. When I was with Arizona, he wouldn't he wouldn't drop him with me. But um, tough kid, love the way he plays. Super fast, got a heck of a snapshot. I'm talking Bazooka Joel, like boom. So he can play it, too. Oh, he he's got a shot on him. Yeah, he he can definitely play. He can get up in the rush. I like I like a Nick Delore. He's I just did an article with the Athletic, and how how cheap am I? So the guy writes the article. I'm like, great, send me the you know the article when it comes out, and he sends me the link. And I click on it. It's like, enter your subscription. I, I had to email the guy and go, I can't, I can't read this. I don't have the athletic. What, what do you think? I made a money. So they had to send me like a subscription, like a <laughs> free subscription for a month or something. And I read it. It wasn't that great, but it was, uh, no, it was a great article. Shout out to hockey fights. They had a great thing. It was cool getting like so many quotes from so many different players about using it. Not just you, John. That was the neat part. The, the fact that they got Max Domi, Milan Lucic, myself, David Singer, the guy who originated HockeyFights.com, and a couple other guys. They, they, he got a lot of people to be in the interview for such a small article. He did a lot of work. Yeah, the guy bought the domain in 1999, I think. And it's cool that like even Max Domi is like, yeah, getting rid of fighting is not a good idea. And he's he'll never fight. So That guy must have got paid hundreds for that domain name. <laughs> HockeyFights.com yeah. is like... I didn't realize how big they were. Good for them. They're huge. They got us, Tim. It's true. All right, moving on. What are we talking about next? Well, the other big game last night was the Oilers versus the Kings. And I say it's a big game because it's most likely the first round matchup uh, out west there. So round one preview that we're looking at. And the Oilers won. Skinner gets his first shutout of a season, which is the first shutout for the entire Edmonton Oilers this year. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) 42 saves. Yeah, no shutouts. Um and so that puts the Oilers now, they leapfrog, they're one point ahead of the Kings, and, and they have a game in hand. So they lo- they're looking pretty good right now. But this is one of the matchups that you were most excited about entering the playoffs. Does this game change anything in your eyes? Well, I think it makes me more excited, don't you think? Well, yes, but you said you like the Kings in this matchup. I do, and I still do. Okay, so, so no, the answer is no, it doesn't change your opinion. No, not at all. I, I think right now, the Kings will come out on top. I don't know. It's all, you know, my opinion. I don't have any advanced stats or I'm not backing it up with anything or I have no, I just think in a seven game series, the Kings will be able to adjust. They have the better team. They have better goaltenders. I know a Stuart Skinner got a shutout, but nah, no thanks. All right. What two teams, Tim, have not got a shutout all year long? What two? Now that Edmonton just got their first, there's two that have zero shutouts. And they're very obvious teams. They lose a lot of hockey games. They get scored on a lot. Arizona and Anaheim. Ah, you swing and a miss on both. Vancouver Canucks, Columbus Blue Jackets. Ooh. Okay. Anaheim's got John Gibson. Yeah. I've been, that name I've been humping on him for a while. That guy, if he didn't, they don't have John Gibson. They're, they're, they're way worse than, than what they are right now. They've gotten one shutout. 
Probably by John Gibson. <laughs> Probably. But it's a good, it's a good trip. It is a good trip. I have another one at the end of the show that I will uh, ask you. It's actually a little bit better. But back to this game. I think in the first round, I know there's going to be sexy matchups out east. Tampa, Toronto, been there, done that. It's going to be great. This will be the one I keep my eye on the most because both of these teams, in my eyes, have a chance to come out of the West. And that's that's a strange thing, talking about the West, because, you know, a month ago, I would have said there's maybe two teams that I like to come out of the West. Dallas and Vegas. Minnesota's entered the conversation. Colorado's obviously jumped into the conversation. And same with Edmonton and Las Vegas. Like I said last show, they're very, very strong. So it's going to be interesting to see this very highly competitive first-round matchup. And the same is going to be said for Dallas and Colorado. It's going to be pretty neat to see those four teams go at it, but it wouldn't surprise me the winner of Edmonton, L.A., all the way to the Stanley Cup. That's They have good teams. They really, really, really do. And I, I like the way both of these teams are made up. I like L.A. a little bit more than Edmonton, though. Man, L.A. is good, Tim. I'm telling you. I might put yeah. some money on them. I really might. They're They're a solid... Well-structured team. They really are anchored by MTU alum Matt Roy on the back end. Really, well, really good team. It's crazy that like those two teams, like you said, I probably agree with you. And then the other, the other two, three matchup is Dallas versus Colorado in the first round. Like this is juggernaut teams out West. This is about as strong as it gets out West. So those, it's weird to think two of those teams being gone in the first round. And I think on the flip side in the East, Toronto, Tampa Bay, like we've seen that many times, it's still going to be very, very exciting. I think the New York Rangers versus New Jersey Devils could be the most exciting first round of all. So it's going to be really, really cool to see how that shakes out. Well, I think you can say it across the board for the East and all the matchups, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Boston, Pittsburgh, Boston Islanders, whoever ends up with that first and second wildcard spot. Any one of those teams, I could realistically, plausibly make an argument to say they can make the Stanley Cup finals. They have the ingredients. They have, especially the Islanders. They pick up Bo Horvat. They have very good goaltenders, two of them. If one of them falters, they have one A, one AAA plus, you know what I mean? And Sorokin and Varlamov, they have the pieces that you want for a Stanley Cup run. They have veteran leadership. They got toughness. They got good defense. They have great goaltending, and they are strong down the middle. They just, for whatever reason, can't figure it out. So I could make an argument for every team in the East to be in the Stanley Cup finals, and I will. In a later show, but in the West, I, I st- I'm listen. Calgary makes it in. Mm, I can make an argument for them. Can't for Seattle, maybe for the other teams, but it's it, it would be a stretch. There's still only a few teams in my eyes in the in the West that can really. I guess making it and winning it are two different things. But yes, it's nice to have some more competition coming out of the West, even though they didn't do s- junk at the deadline. None of those guys did anything, so it, it is interesting. One team that did make some noise at the deadline, Tim. In, in a wrong way, were the Arizona Coyotes. They just sold everybody. Everybody they could get their hands on, they they traded away. They brought in some LTIR guys. They brought in some guys who were retired, really helping their team. The one, the one glimmer of hope that they had, the light at the end of the tunnel that they were looking at, they're playing in a dumpy college arena right now that they can't even fill up. It's a train wreck of a situation next to a dump, dumpster fire that everybody just takes dumps on. The new arena... The, the shining beacon on top of the hill that everybody's staring at. The $2.1 billion arena district that's going to be built in downtown Tempe. It's going to have hotels and apartments and restaurants and bars and stores and everything and open space for people to hang out. It's going to be a whole community. Well, hold the phone. Phoenix just sued Tempe and said, we can't, this can't happen. 
You guys are too close to the airport. We're not going to allow it. The noise is going to be too much. There was an ordinance put in in 1994 that says they're not allowed to have residential buildings within a certain distance from the airport. And guess what? You're within those limits. We're suing you. You can't build this arena, this whole complex, this whole district plan. Kibosh. So it's really... Why can nothing happen in Arizona without there being issues? You know what I mean? Do you think this would have been ironed out years ago? They approached Phoenix and said, okay, you don't want a team in Glendale? That's fine. Do you want a team in downtown Phoenix? No? Okay, let's do it in Tempe. Does that work for you guys? Why is this happening, Tim? You tell me. Does Phoenix just, are they so petty that they don't want this team to be anywhere in the state of Arizona? I need someone to explain this to me like I'm five because I don't understand it. And I'm not joking. So you have the city of Phoenix suing the city of Tempe, which is really like an outskirt city of Phoenix, right? It's a continuation, right? Yeah. They're, they're pretty close. Yeah. And and right now, the, where, is the, where is the arena they just left? The Coyotes, not, not the Glendale, Arizona. One, yeah, Glendale. Which is basically the, on the other side of the city, right? And so yeah. Phoenix is not letting them build a new one in Tempe. What... What what authority does Phoenix have in this situation? Why are they in charge? I think Phoenix has the rights to the area around the airport, maybe, and that's inside Phoenix, and Tempe is bordering that, and the arena is going to be bordering the airport. And there was a law put in back in 1994 when the airport was expanding, and it said you can't have residential buildings for fear of lawsuits because of noise. Because if you complain the airport's too loud... It's going to go to litigation and you're going to be paying out money for other lawyers or whatever. And so they wrote up something that said, you can't have big infrastructure here, apartment buildings, this and that. So there, I guess there has been stuff that has been built, but they have to sign a waiver and they have to go through some legal things to say that we won't sue you down the road because of all the airplane noise. But I guess Phoenix won't do this, do that with this Tempe plan. For the, for the arena and everything that goes along with it. So I don't know why. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it screams like pettiness from Phoenix. I don't know why. Maybe they just are upset with the whole Arizona Coyotes franchise, the way they operate. Uh, it doesn't strike me that anything that the Arizona Coyotes do is good. You know what I mean? I, I just... It it wouldn't surprise me if they're just terribly ran. They're lying to people. They're not doing the right things. They're not filing the right paperwork. And people are just pissed off at them. They're like, why Why are we still dealing with these people? Their owners are getting in trouble for strangling their wives. They're, they're a train wreck. So we don't want to be associated with this team anywhere. So the, I, I think they are just washing their hands with them. They're like, how can we get this team out of Arizona? It's not making us any money. If anything, we're, it's costing us a ton of money. It's bad press. We're done with hockey in Arizona. Moving on. We got a good football team. We're good with the Diamondbacks. Let's be done. We have the Phoenix Suns. That's all we need. You know what I mean? I think that's what's happening where they they tried it and it didn't work. So they're moving on. But Gary Bettman is just trying his best to get a team there. And the city's done with it. Like this doesn't benefit us at all. I know it seems like we talk about them a good amount, but there's been like four or five major news items like this one, just this season alone, where it's like, how can it get worse? And then it does. And so yeah. it's embarrassing. You're right. Well, and there, if this doesn't go through, and that's the thing, these buildings, these projects take years and years and years and years to even build. 
So if they're not even agreed on where they're going to put this arena and they think they're going to be playing there in 2026, there's not a chance. They signed on to play at that college arena, the mullets arena through 2025. There's no way that they can get all the planning, all the approvals, everything done, pull the permits, get everything planned and be in there by 2026. It's not possible. I'm I'm in building right now and we're doing a big project in Canada. We're slated to be in there in four years and we're really far along in the design process. And it's nowhere near the size of a hockey arena with uh, tertiary stuff with buildings and restaurants and all the, it's not going to work. It, it doesn't work you guys. So it, uh, are you listeners as tired of hearing this as I'm as tired about talking about it? It's a garbage franchise. It really is. They trade away all their good players. They can't even build an arena. I wonder what they're valued, you know, because the Washington Redskins are going to be sold. And I think their valuation is like $7 billion. What do you think the Arizona Coyotes valuation is at right now? Not even doing any research, Tim. What do you think they're valued at? Don't even really have a guess. Do we, are you sure they're over a billion? The coyotes, yeah, they're not even close to a billion. Yeah, okay. I have no, I have no frame of reference. I don't know what the other teams are rated. I think there's only a couple hockey teams that are in the billions. Yeah, yeah, probably New York, Boston, Toronto, Montreal. Maybe. What do you think the coyotes are valued? Um, three hundred million, four hundred fifty. So that's what they're valued at. Last place in the NHL. 32nd place. So to think that they're going to get a $2.1 billion arena. Let's be done with them. We're done with the Arizona Coyotes for the rest of the year. Okay. Can we agree on that? Until the next headline. I know. Right. Like who's their captain. They probably don't even have one. He's going to like murder somebody. I'm like, Oh, we got to talk about this now. Who did Clayton Keller kill? Well, it was so good last week to talk about his season and have like a positive thing to say about Arizona. But that Speaking of captains, life. Tim, moving on. John Tortorella just announced the Flyers aren't having a captain. We talked about it last, last show. Now he's up to something strange. I've never seen this before. This is a first for me in any professional sports, any college, minor leagues. The head coach has decided to watch the game from the press box. Not preseason. An actual regular season NHL hockey game. The coach has said, you know what? I'm going to watch it from upstairs with the new GM, Danny Breer. Why? It's going to give me a different perspective for watching the game to kind of see how the players are, which begs the question, can't you do this after the game and put a camera up there and watch it later so you can make sure your players are doing what you want them to do and not have your assistant coach calling the shots? I, I, what is what is happening with the Philadelphia Flyers? Why why is this happening, Tim? Is Torch just sick of being behind the bench? Is that it? He's just I've had enough. These guys aren't listening. I'm glad you're saying this because I saw a couple tweets about this, but that was basically it. And I saw that I'm like, how the coach is just deciding not to be behind the bench and to watch it. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, why isn't why isn't this like number one headlines right now? And it made me think that maybe it was more common than I thought, or like maybe it was like not that unusual. So I thought I was like the one who just didn't get it or something. So I'm glad you're saying this because this is really strange to me. I don't remember anyone hearing anyone talk about this before. And you're right. Like, what do you get up there 
that you can't do watching tape unless it's like the social aspect of it. Unless it's just being able to chum around with Briere in that situation, watching the game, or maybe like you said, he just needed a night off. He's sick of his team. I don't know. Well, yeah, the, I don't. I don't understand it unless there's some bigger picture where Torts is going to be the president, maybe, and Brad Shaw, their assistant, will take over as head coach. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Danny Briere's new to this. He's been around the game, but he's new to the GM life, and maybe Torts sold him on it. And he said, "I'll be up there. We can talk about players." But it just—it's strange to me. And then the players know they're up there, so they're going to try harder. So you're not getting a true valuation of the players. If I know my GM and coach are analyzing everything I do. I'm playing different. You know what I mean? Do you think they watched the game together and were like analyzing the game? We're like, oh man, Risto really should have followed through there. Or are they thinking like big picture strategy next year, off season captains, all that stuff? I think they talk big picture. Yeah. You have to. You can't be like, oh, it was a bad pass. Yeah. I think that might that might be a conversation starter. It's like, oh, he does it all the time. Like, do we really want this guy being on our team two, three years down the road? Well, why does this that have ha- to happen during the game? This is the- it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> And yeah. if anything, this gives you a flawed look at your team, because like I just said, they're they're going to be playing like it's game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. If you know your job's on the line and everybody's analyzing everything you do in this one game, you're going to be diving in front of pucks. You're going to be making sure you don't turn the puck over. You're going to be very careful with your positioning. You're going to be hustling to the bench. You know what I mean? This you're, is- you're playing differently. This has actually been proven too. There's an experiment, I don't know, 1970s or something, Hawthorne, Pennsylvania. It's called the Hawthorne experiment where they, it, was a, it was a factory and they started putting cameras everywhere. And they said like there was a guy above like who was from the government or whatever, like measuring production. And everyone, just by watching, everyone worked like twice as hard just because they knew they were being watched. And it's like been used a million times since. It's a real thing. People, if they know they're being watched and measured and inspected, they per- perform differently. And it's not really a true reflection of who the players are. No, the true test for a worker is how hard they work when you're not watching it's the true test of anybody like you how strong of a moral backbone you have how high your ethics are it's when no one's watching what you're gonna do i think about that when i'm at work i'm like man i don't do much but if my door's open to my office my boss is walking i'm like i gotta work more you know what i mean yeah on the keyboard yeah i'm doing something if i'm if it's it's very it's hard to be focused and work and hundred percent there when no one's watching. That must be hard for you, Tim. You work from home. Is it hard to stay focused? <laughs> I was just going to say it can be, you got to do it like in sprints. Cause it's like Levi wants to play or the laundry's going off or whatever. And you got to just do it heads down mode. Yeah. I can't do that. I, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult. If you can do that. Good on you. Cause that is very, very hard. All right. What are we talking about next Tim? There's a big signing. Yeah. Resigning Philip Heedle signed four years at 4.4. Uh, in New York. And so big signing for them. He's been a big part of like their, their kind of up and coming core with um, Lafreniere and, and Kako and these other guys. I really like him. I watched him play many times. Um, he, I thought he had more points than he did. I think he's got something like 40 and 60 games. So I, he's not quite breaking out the way that I thought he was, but still a good signing and really good value. I think for a guy who's only going to get better. Is he going to get better? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that you're so down on the young players, John. No, I'm just asking. He's got like, just the bio, 6'2", 210, centerman, strong, can play the puck well, responsible 23 years old. 23. 23 years old. Like he's got, he passes the eye test and he's good on the ice. But is is this a good deal? I'm just asking. Honestly, do you think four years, four and a half, is that a good deal for a Philip Cheadle? Yeah, yeah. If, if two years from now he's putting up 
60 points, 65 points, playing big minutes, being on special teams. Yeah. And he's going to be 25 at that point. He's worth, and you got him for $4 million. The cap goes up. Yeah. It's a great deal. Okay. So they sign him. They have Panarin locked up, Zabinajad, Kreider, Trochik, Goodrow, Heedle, Fox, Truba. All these guys are locked up for long-term deals. What does this mean for a Lafreniere, a Capocacco, a Patty Kane, a Tarasenko? What happens to these guys? Because there's not enough money to go around. Next year, they're already locked in for, what's it, 40, 50, 60, 70, 70 million dollars are already locked up. So there's not enough money to go around. Alex Lafreniere is an RFA. Did they just make a decision and say, we're going with Heedle? Sorry, Lafreniere, we're not going to be able to sign you to a long-term deal because that guy's going to want a pretty penny. If he sees Philip Heedle making that much money, he's going to want to a raise, if not more than what Philip Heedle makes. So where do you see their two-star you know, high-end draft picks? Lafreniere was number one, Capocacco was number two. Are these guys now on the outside looking in because of this deal? No, because the, the the contracts coming off the books up front are Tarasenko, Kane, Tyler Mott, and Lafreniere. So it's going to be Lafre- Lafreniere. That's how you say it, by the way. Lafreniere is he's going to give him, they're going to give him the money, and he's going to probably get a similar deal because he hasn't done much to prove that he's worth the big deals that the other young players are getting. Maybe it's four years or something until it takes him till he's his last RFA season. Maybe I don't know. And then I can't see them picking one of these older Tarasenko or Kane over Lafreniere. Well, makes no sense to me. You can't pay both of them. You you can't pay Lafreniere and Kako in two years because they they will want more money. That's what I'm getting at. Because you, you you're paying Heedle four point four, so in three years your salary is still at seventy million, and you have to have seven more guys to your roster. So you can't pay seven guys four and a half million dollars each. You have to pick and choose. So who were they? Who were they taking Tim Lafreniere or Kako? Which what, what's it going to be? Um. I think they give Lafreniere his deal. I think they give him his deal and then cross that other bridge when it comes to it. It's, right. He's still got two more years, so we don't have to make that decision yet. Even though yes. I get your point that if they sign him now, they are making the decision. I understand that. but Lafreniere is going to be a restricted free agent after this year. You think, have we not learned anything from the recent restricted free agents the last year and a half? This is going to be either a huge deal or he's going to be dealt, or he's going to get a high-dollar bridge deal. The way we negotiate now is different. He's 21 years old. Either the Rangers are going to be all in on him and lock him into a long-term deal for 5 or $6 million and say, we're investing in you. This is your, You're our guy. Seven years, $6 million. Or they're going to have to do a shorter term for higher dollars. That's, I don't know. Or, or like, it, I don't know what's going to happen. These guys I mean, have so much power power these days, Tim. Year three, first overall pick, and he's making he's getting about 40 points at the end of the year. It's not not good enough. But couldn't you see him going to like they trade him to like Nashville and all of a sudden he's a 90 point guy because he just didn't have the time or the ice or the confidence or whatever to make it work? No. I, I, I honestly can't see that. I, I really can't. But I didn't see the same thing on Matt Boldy. So I don't know. I don't watch enough of Lafreniere to say where he's going to end up, but you say you only got 40 points and this and that. Matt Boley's got 57. They just signed him for seven years, $7 million. So, yeah. GMs, GMs are investing in the future. They're, they're playing the long game and they're gambling on some players. I wouldn't do it Lafreniere. I would take Kako over Lafreniere. 
But we'll see. Only time will tell. I think it's a good deal for Filipino. I was just looking at his draft. It was a heck of a draft. 2017. Hershire, Heiskanen, Makar, Pedersen, Middlestead, Owen Tippett's in there, Nietzsche, Nick Suzuki. There's some like Lilgren from Toronto. Heedles down there at 22. Yamamoto. It's a pretty good first round in 2017. Who was the Bruins first round pick in that one? The Bruins picked... 18th overall, and it was Erho Vakanainen. Yeah. He's played 68 NHL games and has 10 assists. Yeah, not great. Great good skater, but yeah, not a great pick. Not a great pick. Not, not a great pick. The Bruins never draft well, ever. That's, that's their one fault. In the first round, really. Yeah, yeah, their first rounds are garbage. Absolutely atrocious. All right, moving on. What, what is Keith Kachuk saying about the Panthers, Tim? Well, this one will be a quick one because I don't want to talk about it too much. Well, okay. So he's, he was interviewed about the Panthers. Obviously his son's on the team. It's pretty, pretty damning quotes. He said, quote, this is do or die for the Panthers right now. They're a soft team. They're getting and getting everything they deserve right now. They should be a lot better than they're showing right now. Instead of trying to get autographs with Matthews or Marner, they should probably check a little bit harder. I know I sound like a frustrated person, but I know every time I go to watch Ottawa, they might not be the most talented team, but they're always going to play hard. Maybe Florida should take a page out of their book. That's that's not mincing, mincing words, John. But that's why they got his son. Does he not know that? It's <laughs> a good point. That's why Matthew's there, because Huberto wasn't that type of player. So we got Matthew. So what's the problem? I don't know. They had a big comeback win against Toronto the other night. They did. That helped their cause. They're still one point out when they played one more game than Pittsburgh. Revised picks in the Eastern wildcard race. Is it still Islanders Pittsburgh's? They got... Pittsburgh's seven games left. Islanders, six games left. Florida's got six games left. Pittsburgh's up by one point on Florida. You still taking Pittsburgh and the Islanders? I am. Yeah, reluctantly. I don't feel good about any of these teams. I think they're both going to get curb stomped in the first round, but for now. Tim, that's aggressive. That's so incredibly aggressive to say that. (laughs) It's true. Curb stomped? Yeah. You think, think, I don't know, Pittsburgh going to give Boston a series? I, I don't care about that. I'm more concerned with your curb stomp comment. That's too much. Well, looking at Florida's remaining schedule, they play the Panthers tomorrow. Do they win that game? Uh, wait. Sorry, they play the Blue Jackets. Excuse me, Blue Jackets. They win that game. They play Buffalo two nights later. Do they win that? No. They play Ottawa two nights after that. Mm, yes. Then they play Washington. Yes. Florida. Plays Montreal, or excuse me, Toronto. I'm bad at this. We're playing Toronto? No. Then finishing at Carolina? No. So you say they go three and three their last six games? Yeah. Okay. That puts them with 89 points. The Penguins play the Bruins? Bruins. Uh, it's a matinee game. Penguins will win. Okay. Then they play Philly. They'll beat them. Then they play the Devils. Loss. Then they play the mini Minnesota Wild. Loss. Then they play the Red Wings. Win. Then they finish with Chicago and Columbus. Win-win. Okay, so Pittsburgh gets in. Based on your math, Pittsburgh gets in. It's infallible math. Yeah. It is. You're you're perfect. You're absolutely perfect. So that's good. I, I'm sticking with uh, Pittsburgh and Islanders as well. I think both conferences, I think Calgary's going to get it. I think the East is set. I think Calgary overtakes. Gosh, who's eighth in the West? Tim, tell me. Right now, it's Winnipeg. I think they overtake Winnipeg. All right. What's this Bill Sweezy stuff, Tim? 
Billy Sweezy, the hometown kid, my little hometown, handsome Massachusetts. Um, really cool. He got called up last week or earlier this week. He's got three NHL games now. Played in Boston last night. He plays for Columbus. Went to Yale, like worked his way up. Really cool. I actually didn't know about him, although his dad is pretty well known because they have a fencing company. And so he was at the game last night. Sweezy gets in a fight with Jacob Lauco, does okay for himself. Um, really cool. It's a very small town. So you don't see a lot of guys, you know, making it big there. And so really cool. There's a watch party at Old Tools last night, which is the best bar on the South Shore. So yeah, really neat. Are you done? <laughs> Say something cool, John. Make me look good. So I have trivia. Oh, congrats, um, Billy Sweezy. Thank you. That'll be his last game. No, first of many. First of many. No, your town sucks, Tim. (laughs) It's awful. I'm salty. Okay. There are two defensemen in the NHL that are in the top 50 of all players with even strength points. Who are they? I know one of them is Carlson. He's like top five or something. He's up there. Okay. Um, I'm going to... Quinn Hughes. No. I get more guesses. Uh, He's in the the West. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Yossi. Vince Dunn. Ooh, for the Seattle Kraken. That's a good name drop. Isn't that amazing? Vince Dunn, a guy who was picked up by the Seattle Kraken in their expansion draft from the St. Louis Blues. He was a good, good player back then, but gosh, he's really blossomed and a good player. And that leads me to my second trivia. And he's a part of this. Which three defensemen lead their team in points? Uh, Carlson. Um, Morrissey, Josh Morrissey. Does he still lead his team? I think he does. No, no he doesn't. You just say, <laughs> yes, he does. Um, is it Vince Dunn? Dunn? It's done, obviously. What's who's the other one? Morrissey. It's not Morrissey. Um, yeah, I don't have any other guys. Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi has got 59, Carlson's got 91, and Dunn's got 61. And it got mm-hmm. me thinking about Seattle. Or no, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I so said that's pretty good. It's very good. It got me thinking about Seattle, their expansion draft, and everybody was critiquing them. No, no trades, no high-end guys. They didn't take on many contracts. What's going on with this team? They didn't get any forwards. They didn't do anything of no. Look at how bad their last year was. They stunk. This team's going to be bad forever. Fast forward to now. You look at their team, how they're built. You look at their back end. You look at their forwards. They still have a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like they did a better job. And this is going on a limb because the Vegas Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup championships. I think long-term, Seattle set themselves up for so much success. They have a lot of cap space. When you look at their team, how they're structured, they have a lot of players making mid-tier dollars, five, four million dollars that they can move. Not a lot of bad contracts. What I love about this team is their back end. And everybody raved about it when they did the expansion draft. They got Jamie Oleksiak. They got Vince Dunn. They got Adam Larson. They got Carson Saucy. They got William Borgen. They got Kale Fleury. All of these guys are still on their team. Am I butchering names, Tim? What are you smiling about? Yeah, it's fine. Which one did I butcher? Carson Saucy. What I call him? Saucy. Saucy. I just think that's a sweet name. And I just like the way the Seattle Kraken are made up. I know I bag on them a little bit because they don't have... I don't bag on them at all, but I, I, I'm not in love with them like other people are. I just love how they're made up. I think Vince Dunn 
is that guy. And when you look at St. Louis's roster and you look at their defensemen and your gosh, boy, they pay their guys a lot of money. And none of these guys are even close to a Vince Dunn right now. And Vince Dunn signed on. He's got $4 million this year. Then he's an RFA still under team control. You can lock him up for another five, six, seven years, probably making $6 million. It's, it's a great get. I'm just happy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say on this team. I just think it's great. When you look at Vegas, they went high end. They went out and picked all these guys, Van Riebsdyk, Carlson. They went out and got uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. They paid a lot for him. David Perron, when they did the draft, Eric Halla, McNabb, Marcia Stowe. They got some high end guys. And yes, they had some early success. But don't look now, but Seattle will be a very good team in two or three years. I think they're built the right way. They didn't overextend themselves. They didn't throw a lot of money around. They kind of played within their parameters. They built their team from the back end out. And I I just like their team. We don't spend a lot of time on them. I'm just going to give them a nod because they have a good young back end. They have some young, exciting players. Matty Bernier is really good. Eli Tolvanen's playing pretty well. And they got, I don't know, they're not going to make any noise this playoffs, but a couple of years, Tim, this, this will be a very good team. Yeah, especially considering, like, I remember the, the, your your take on this right after the draft a couple of years ago was they drafted very defensively, whether that was putting a premium on the actual defenseman or drafting forwards who were very refen- defensively responsible, like a Yanni Gord, like a lot of those players. And the knock on them was like, they're not going to be able to score many goals and kind of win a lot of games one nothing. But they have produced a lot of players. And unsurprisingly, you've seen a lot of guys just take a step forward, like we said so many times, fresh spot a little bit more responsibility, you draft well, and all of a sudden, Matty Benares is, you know, rookie of the year candidate, front runner. And you got Vince Dunn putting up close to a point per game when he's never really touched that before. So something to be said for that. And I think, yeah, like you said, they don't, they're not strapped to anybody, which is it's almost like, you know, you're learning a new habit. There's nothing to unlearn. It's a clean slate they started with and they've done everything right so far. Yeah, they're a good team. They, they, you know, they're locked into a couple guys, Jared McCann, Jaden Schwartz, Olivier Borkstrand, Oliver Borkstrand. They're good players. And they're making five million bucks. So I'll take. What are you smiling at again? Is it Oliver or Olivier? It's Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm just ripping these names off on the top of my head. What? Do you, give me, give me a break. So good for Seattle. Good for them. I hope they make the playoffs. Looks like they are, based on things today. And they'll be an exciting team in the future. I think they'll lose first round. Don't get me wrong to a Minnesota or whoever is you know in first place in the West. All right, Tim. Anything else we're talking about today? Uh, no. I'm gonna go start the weekend. What are you doing this weekend? What do you mean start? What do you got planned? My big my big thing is I got to figure out where I'm going to live because my lease ends and I want to make a change. So figuring out my next apartment. Like your lease ends today, March no, 31st? No, a month, a month from today. So you're giving your landlord, you're done? Your one I had month to notice? Him, I gave him notice last month. I had to get 60 days. So Wow. So you are locked in. You better get out there and find something. I know. It's weird. Like, I know I can't stay here, but I don't, don't know where I'm going. So it's a weird, weird time. It's like the 40-year-old virgin. You got to get on that. What are, What's your weekend plans, John? I don't know. I'm always busy. I just ask my wife. I literally go home and say, what are we doing this weekend? Probably we're dealing with the flood. I've been calling people trying to get that figured out. So You had a flood? You didn't know that? <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Oh, yeah. You don't listen. That's hilarious. Yeah. You're so funny. All um, right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. I hope you have a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 